This program is brought to you by The Living Voice. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. What I want to focus on this morning, I'm calling this message this morning, um, exposing religion. Exposing religion. You know, religion has played a huge part in, um, in society, in the world. Religion um, has played a huge role in, in schools being built, in hospitals being built. Um, why? Even in the election of governments, religion has played a huge role. Track with me, please. Um, what, what I am going to attempt to do with the help of the Holy Spirit, because this is what I believe God wants us to go, this direction that God, want, God wants us to go in, is to expose religion for what it is. So that, this is exciting, when we come back together, when we can worship Jesus together, we will not go back to a mold of religion, but we will be able to come back once again to an authentic relationship with Jesus and an authentic relationship with each other. Can I get a resounding amen for that? Because if this is something that God has, has helped us walk through for us to actually realize how yucky and gross religion is, I praise God for that. So that when we do come back, we don't have to come back to our religious forms and norms and, 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 and um, you know, barriers, but we can come back to an authentic relationship with one another because we know what it's like to have an authentic relationship with Jesus. Uh, and so even though religion plays a huge role okay, in, in what it does in the world, I don't really give a rip about this. I want us to have an authentic relationship with Jesus. Um, something, a, a word that I came up with a couple of years ago was, uh, and it was my personal prayer. I said, God, please save me from churchianity. I don't want churchianity. Jesus did not come for us to have a new religion called churchianity, where we come together in a stupid building, okay, with, with, with dumb looking stage and lights and stuff that God doesn't care about that. God cares about your heart. He cares about us loving Him, us following Him, us worshiping Him, no matter where, no matter how. Praise God that we had to go through the season for us to really see that we don't need a building, that we don't need to, to congregate on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or on a Saturday. Jesus is bigger than all of that, right? I'm excited to preach with you guys being there so we can get excited about Jesus. But, but this week, I think it's a great week for God to... Uh, to calm our spirits down a little bit and help us examine our own lives to see if we've embraced religion and, and let go of and traded authentic relationship for religion. This is what I mean when I say religion so you don't uh, beat me up when you see me. This is what I mean by it. The man-made rules and regulations and standards that force us to believe that this is the only way to worship or to be saved. Man-made, not God-given. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Okay, we sang about that. We, we celebrate that. But, but what religion will come along and say, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've spoken to people, it's like, hey, how do you know you're saved? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? And they will say, well, I was baptized as a child. So? Like, yeah, when I was a kid, my dad forced me to have a bath too. Doesn't make me a Christian. You know, or maybe um, I've heard people say this and maybe you have too at some point. Well, you know, hey, do you know Jesus? Well, I received communion this Sunday. So, even Judas was there at the Last Supper. He ate with Jesus. He was a betrayal of Jesus. There are certain things that we've surrounded ourselves with, with religion, thinking that that's what saves. Uh, I've heard people say, well, I was, I was confirmed at the church. Doesn't make a difference. Or, or what about, you know, the beautiful festival of circumcision, right? And other great festivities like that, that people think, oh, I'm saved because I'm circumcised. Not going to go there. Move on quickly. Going through the book of Ecclesiastes, we see that Solomon says that, 
there are so many things that is meaningless. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 4 Then I saw that all toil and all skill in work came from man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. I told you this earlier. When we go through the book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to come across this word meaningless and vanity and vain or lot. Habil, it's vapor, it's stupid. And look at how many times if you go through the first five chapters, Solomon is saying, I saw, I saw, I saw. I saw hard work. I saw toil. I saw oppression. I saw tears. But there is no answer to this. You see a lot of things, but when you see these things, the natural response is, yes, I see toil. Yes, I see pain. Yes, I see, you know, where, where there should be righteousness, there's wickedness. Where there should be justice, there's, there's wickedness. What do you do when you see all these things? A person who's reading this, the right response should be, I just want to sit down and give up. Would you feel that way? I mean, there are times I'm sure you guys have spent like way too much time on social media. And I'm sure you stumbled across videos that you really had to keep scrolling because you're like, that's too painful. I can't watch that. People should not be treated that way. You're watching videos from around the world and you're like, that, that's wrong the way they're treating people. There's oppression, there's depression, there's tears, there's pain. And the right response for us as human beings because we're created with the, with, with, with the same nature as God as we have compassion. We just want to sit down and give up. You're with me on that. Sometimes it's painful. And Solomon in chapter 5 he sings an Elvis Presley song. LOL. <laughs> no, true. He says, take your troubles to the chapel where all the people go to pray. Then your burdens will be lighter and um, you'll sing and praise the Lord. That's a beautiful song, by the way, by Elvis Presley. It's called Crying in the Chapel. And, um, and Solomon pretty much is saying, hey, we've got to take our troubles to the Lord. But he says, you've got to be careful because you can hold on to religion, man-made junk, and forego the actual peace that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're excited and you're ready, turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Okay? And while you're turning there, I want you to know my heart is this and I don't give a rip if I look different, if I preach different, if our church looks different, what I really care about is that when we do get to come back together, that we're exploding with love for Jesus because He has loved us. I don't care if we have to stand six feet apart, if that's what it takes, and if it's just five of us. I would rather five people that love Jesus madly, deeply, and willing to get their heads chopped off for the sake of the gospel than thousands of people that are there just to play churchianity. I don't want that. So out with churchianity and embrace authentic relationship with Jesus. After all, that's the mission of our church, that we will daily be encouraged with Jesus, by Jesus, by the gospel, by his word, that daily will be encouraged and that our intimacy with Christ will be a billboard for unbelievers to say, man, I want that love for Jesus. I want this freedom in Jesus. In fact, um, Kevin Price, if you're watching, dude, I'm so glad. This guy, he's never, he, one of his comments was, and he just privately messaged me when I asked you, what do you miss about coming together? He says, I've never really been with the TLC family. I've never really been to church, but he's been joining us online, which has been fantastic. Um, and it's great that we don't need to have this, this churchianity going on for us to actually be a billboard of the grace of God. If we have this intimacy with Christ, that is what makes us the church. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, are you there? I hope you are. Chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Everybody's like, woohoo, May 1st, yeah, it's going to be great. Guard your steps before you get in your car and drive to the TLC building. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. 
I'm not calling you a fool. God's word is calling you a fool. And we'll unpack that in just a bit. How exciting is this going to be, huh? It says, for they do not know that what they're doing is evil. Not just being foolish, but also being evil. This great. Thank you, Lord. This is what Solomon is saying on the get-go. Right off the bat, he says, hey, listen, open your eyes and then walk. First, open your eyes, then walk. You see, in the Old Testament, everything was big. Everything was extreme. Everything was huge. Okay? <laughs> Everything, everything was massive. The temple was big. The sacrifices were extreme. The robes that the priests wore set them apart as priests in God's work. Why did God do that? Because God wanted them to know that there was a definite journey that they were making when they were going to worship. As you walked up those stairs entering into the temple, you were very aware that you were doing something that was very different from your day-to-day -day work from your day to day going to your job and you know driving your car and meeting with a friend and having dinner you are going into the temple to meet with God it was different it was set apart in fact the word holy in, in, in Hebrew is Kodesh it means to be set apart and God had these, these symbols to, to, to remind his worshippers that you are coming to something that is set apart that's different everything was massive as you're walking up the, those, those stairs and you hear the sheep bleating you, uh, you know crying out you know that oh my gosh the wages of sin is death when you saw the priests in their robes you would be like man God is holy and he's set apart and he's the only one who's, who's clothed in the robes of righteousness once a year when the priest would go into the holies of holies on the day of atonement you, they would know that only God is holy. And even the priest would have to offer sacrifices for himself. Otherwise, he would die. And, and it was a very visual represent, uh, representation of how set apart and holy God is. And Solomon is saying, you can't casually just walk into the temple. Just walk to your place of worship. Open your eyes before you go into the temple of God. Before, what does this mean for us today? I mean, we don't go to a temple. I mean, if you are... I, I don't know what you're doing over here because we don't even have a building for us to meet in right now. So what does it mean for us today? Surprisingly, you actually have to go back to the Old Testament to see how this applies to our life today. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. This is the Shema. Shema means to, to hear, to listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And this is something that a Hebrew, a child, a Jewish child will learn from his young age. That will be the first thing he, he, hear, he learns. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. They would wear it on their wrist. And, and Jesus, at one point in his ministry, was asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies, he says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And we see what God commanded the people of Israel to do because this commandment was so great. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. It says, And these words, that's love the Lord your God, hear Israel, the Lord your God is one. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Slow down over here. On your heart. You'll teach them to your children diligently. Not just teach them to memorize it, but diligently. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You will bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. What is God trying to tell us? He says, listen man, I want your undivided attention. Sadly, these, these practices that God put in place so that the principle will be elevated, the practices became more important than the principle. 
it became a ritual to have the verses around their hand or a mezuzah on their door you know and this became a ritual it became like a whole see how holy I am I have the shama on my wrist I have the mezuzah on my door God doesn't give a rip about religion he doesn't give a rip about the way you're trying to keep the law if you don't have the principle the heart behind it to love God to keep him first to invite him in every day to teach your children diligently that God is love that he is one God and he wants our full undivided attention and Solomon saying open your eyes to see the glory of God before you just casually walk into worship living church I love you and as long as God calls me to pass this church I want to fight the best I can with the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, to fight against religiosity to fight against this, this norm that we will gladly embrace I would hate for us to go back again to a building and just be another quote unquote church God will spit us out of his mouth I don't want that and it's okay if you're not popular it's okay if you're not cool I don't give a rip about that I want our eyes to be opened at the principles that God wants us to embrace and it's okay if our practices are weird I want us to love Jesus and Solomon is warning us like dude open your eyes before you walk into God's presence open your eyes before you just stroll in see what his heart really desires because practices without principles is empty religion do you get it in every area of your life you got to ask yourself why am I doing what am I what I'm doing because you know well okay let, let's let's ask a question to to unpack this how do you know you're not just practicing empty religion how do you know what what's a what's a good way to check Joel okay great I love it man you're fired up I see that this means a lot to you you are weird you're crazy but I see you really want to have an authentic walk with Jesus you want the church to have an authentic walk with Jesus how do I know if I'm walking in empty religion here's a good test if you are doing write this down if you are doing whatever you do to get God to love you it's religion if you're doing whatever you're doing to prove to others that you love God, it's religion, God hates it. On the other hand, if whatever you do is because God loves you, that's a relationship. This is not something I read in a book. This is something that God's been teaching me. I've been spending time in His presence over here asking God, help me, Lord, help me, help me, help me. What are you doing? How do you want me to lead your church that you bought with your blood? That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.